Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Planning for Retirement podcast, where we help educate people on how retirement works. I'm Kevin Lau, your host. I'm also the lead financial planner at Imagine Financial Security. Imagine Financial Security is an independent financial planning and investment management firm based in Florida. However, this information is for educational purposes only and should not be used as investment, legal, or tax advice. This is episode number 18, how a Roth conversion strategy could save our client $427,000 in taxes throughout retirement. Hope you enjoy the show, and if you like what you hear, make sure to leave us that five-star review and make sure to subscribe and stay up to date on our latest episodes. We recently hosted an educational workshop here in town. The title was How to Reduce Taxes in Retirement. And there were three main concepts that resonated for the majority of attendees. One involved Roth conversions, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Another involved tax loss harvesting and how you can use that to your advantage to create a more tax-efficient retirement income. That will be on next episode. And then the third episode from the series is going to be the concept of making Social Security more tax-efficient. Um, so let's start with Roth conversions. I'm going to kind of back up and before we get into this case study, just give a background of what Roth conversions are uh, for those of you that don't know. Um, just a little history on this one. So Roth IRAs have income thresholds. And if you earn above that income threshold, you're no longer eligible to contribute directly to a Roth IRA. So Roth IRAs, the benefit is on the back end. Instead of getting a tax deduction today, you're foregoing a tax deduction, so you're contributing after you pay taxes, but then you have tax-free growth, assuming those withdrawals are qualified. Um, so before 2010, no one could uh, contribute to a Roth IRA if you were above that income threshold or convert to a Roth IRA. But that 10, 2010 provision allowed for any taxpayer to convert existing IRA dollars, so traditional IRA dollars, to Roth accounts. And so in essence, you would essentially say, hey, I have this million dollar IRA or 401k. I can convert all of it or a portion of it and pay the taxes now and now those funds are going to be sitting in Roth IRAs for the rest of my lifetime. Okay, um, so that's the the, the general um, process of how Roth conversions work. Again, uh, different than a Roth contribution. So, you know, really where this fits into a lot of retirees' planning is like a lot of our clients, they've been saving into traditional four hundred one ks or traditional IRAs. You know, mostly because Roth IRAs weren't really an option when they began their their careers or. Roth 401ks weren't an option when they began their careers. So, um, so, so most people that have been saving into retirement plans for two or three decades had the majority, if not all, of their assets in tax-deferred accounts. So traditional IRAs or traditional 401ks, 403bs, TSPs, etc. So, um, so where this fits is, you know, hey, you know, you're sort of entering retirement and you're trying to figure out, you know, does it make sense to convert all or some of your retirement account balance into tax-free dollars into Roth accounts to help save in taxes throughout the life of your retirement? And so this concept has become really, really popular, especially because the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act has temporarily reduced tax brackets for most taxpayers. But then at the end of 2025, that's going to sunset back into the old tax bracket. So the tax brackets will go up. Uh, for the majority of U.S. taxpayers, unless unless things change, you know, before then, you know, I'm one to really think that 
tax brackets are much more likely to go up than down. And so either things will stay as is and tax brackets will go back to the old levels after 2025 or change happens either then or before then to raise taxes somehow. Um, so there, there's definitely a scramble for a lot of people to, to, to consider this strategy before the end of 2025. Um, and just reading a lot of articles and things that our people are putting out there, you know, people are almost kind of trained to think that Roth conversions are essentially a no-brainer. Um, and that's not true. You know, I'll just kind of start by saying that it's very, it's very uh, dependent on your personal situation, your circumstances, your assets, your financial goals, uh, your beneficiaries, you know, longevity. All of these things, you know, play a, uh, a role in whether or not it makes sense. So, you know, just kind of ballpark, you know, over the last, let's say, dozen or so cases that I've, you know, analyzed Roth conversions, about half made sense, about half didn't make sense. But um, we're going to be talking about this new client that we've been working with. And uh, like I said, a lot of his assets, like a lot of our clients, you know, um, or their assets, I should say, it's a husband and wife. Most of their assets are in this tax deferred bucket. You know, if you kind of think about, you know, three different buckets you can save into for retirement, you have taxable accounts, you have tax deferred accounts and tax free accounts. You know, tax deferred, we just, we've talked about those. Tax free, those would be in Roth accounts. So whether it's Roth IRAs, Roth 401ks, it also could be health savings accounts. Um, and then taxable buckets, you know, would just be like your traditional brokerage account where you either hold stocks and bonds or mutual funds or ETFs, you know, CDs or, you know, even savings accounts, money market accounts. Those are taxable now. Um, each year you get a 1099 from your custodian. You have to pay, you know, taxes on interest that you've earned, dividends that you've earned or, you know, capital gains or losses. Okay. So this new client that we, uh, we've been working with, 99% of their assets are in tax-deferred dollars, okay? And just to give real numbers around it, it's about, uh, let me pull up uh, my other worksheet here, about $1.1 million in tax-deferred accounts and then about $10,000 in, uh, in, in a small Roth IRA, okay? So... We ran some scenarios, and, and this client is on the brink of turning 65, um, and uh, the wife is 64, so you know, right in that sweet spot of Medicare eligibility, um, uh, close to obtaining full retirement age for Social Security. They also have a military pension, but um, you know, the situation that's really attractive for them is that upon retirement, so after this, after this calendar year, earned income is essentially going to go away. Okay, so starting in 2024, earned income is going to be at zero, and at that point, they're just going to have this military pension, and then there's going to be decisions on Social Security, but in essence, their tax bracket is going to drop substantially. And given their ages, their required minimum distribution age or their required beginning date is going to be at their age 73. So we kind of have this eight-ish year window where they're not going to have to take RMDs from these qualified accounts, and they're going to have really low taxable income, much lower than it is today. But then if they did nothing, their tax brackets will stay very low until they turn 73, and then tax brackets start to go up for them. Okay, So this is if they did nothing. They didn't convert. They just you know kind of looked at their accounts and said, hey, you know, we'll just take distributions as needed, um, and then we'll start RMDs at age 73. So, so 
if they did nothing, they're going to kind of fall into under what I like to call the tax trap of these retirement accounts, where they're just taking RMDs and it's kind of low early on. You know, you're only required to take out, you know, you know around 3.6% in the early years of retirement. And then it goes up each year. The RMD percentage that you're required to take out goes up each year. Okay. So in fact, you know, when you're 85, the percent you have to take out uh, goes all the way up to 6.25%. Okay. So if you have a million dollar IRA, that's $62,500 that you're required to take out of those qualified plans, which then would be taxed at ordinary income, regardless if you need that income for cash flows. Okay. So, um, you know, the, 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 this temporary low period of tax brackets is also known as the retirement uh, income distribution hatchet, where um, this low period of income, you can look at options of filling up certain tax brackets to take advantage of those low tax periods. Um, so you could do this via Roth conversions. Okay. And so if we assumed, let's say, filling up the 22% bracket, which will revert back to the 25% bracket starting in 2026, you know, this client actually saved, uh, assuming they lived until 95, they actually saved an estimated $427,000 in taxes throughout retirement, okay? Um, Essentially, this conversion amount happens for 13 years. You know, they don't just convert this entire balance in year one. It's a gradual uh, conversion. So again, filling up this 22% bracket, but $427,000 in tax savings throughout retirement, that is substantial. You know, for someone who has a, you know, roughly $1.1 million of investable assets, I mean, that is a substantial tax savings, right? But the first thing you got to look at is, you know, what about the break-even point? Because early on, you're going to have to pay taxes on this conversion, okay? So... You know, the, the break-even point for them doesn't happen until, let's see, age 88, 87, age 88 for the husband, 87 for the wife. So that's met, that's several years down the road. So even though they save a lot in taxes overall, the, the, the key point is they're going to have to pay a lot more in taxes early on, and only if they lived past 88, 87 do they actually break even on actually saving in taxes throughout their retirement. So that's one one important consideration is what is your longevity? You know, did, did your parents live until 80? Or, you know, do you have longevity in the family where your parents or grandparents maybe lived until 90, 95? You know, my wife's grandmother lived until 98. You know, it was I don't know if she anticipated to live that long, but she lived until 98 years old. You know, their parent, both of their parents are still living and they have longevity on their side. So we assumed living until age 95 for both of them, um, just given their good health profile. So if they did that, then that break-even point, age 88, 87, it just compounds very, very quickly because, again, that tax trap of RMDs, what happens on the back end in your late 80s or early, early 90s is the percent you have to take out of your retirement account just goes up substantially. Um, you know, we already talked about 85 when you have to take out 6.25%. Well, what about 90? Look at this. 8.2% of your account has to be taken out for RMDs. You know, what about 93? Nine, close to not, uh, 10% has to be taken out for RMDs. This is why they will end up saving so much money on taxes on the back end after that break-even point happens is because of this tax trap of RMDs because the RMD calculation is based on your life expectancy. So each year you live, your life, life expectancy shortens and therefore the percent you have to take out goes up.
Um, so if you have longevity, that that's a strong uh, that's a strong indicator that you may want to look at this, right? Um, you know, you, you've got the majority of your assets in tax deferred accounts, and you have longevity. But another consideration is like, how important is it for you to maximize, um, you know, saving in taxes later in retirement, but also when you pass these assets on to the next generation? I think that's that's really the key factor here. You know, if you have, let's say your your children are self-sufficient and your your main concern is not maximizing the tax efficiency of your of your financial legacy, you may not be as concerned, you know, in terms of uh, you know doing Roth conversions, but you all but you might be concerned of the 10-year rule. Okay. And um, for those that don't know, the 10-year rule essentially now requires qualified plans, IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, to be fully liquidated within 10 years for most beneficiaries. Okay, Spouses, they're grandfathered into the old rule. They can stretch that account throughout their life expectancy, essentially treat it as their own. But once it leaves your spouse uh, and that account is passed on to your beneficiaries and the next generation, let's say it's your children, your adult children or, or even grandchildren, the 10-year rule is going to be followed, and if all of those assets that you leave to the next generation are in qualified tax-deferred accounts, those ten uh, over those 10 years, your beneficiaries are going to be getting a pretty large tax bill. Um, so even if they're self-sufficient and they're successful, maybe they're in a higher tax bracket than you, right? Maybe your son or daughter is a doctor or an attorney or a business owner or works in tech. And they're in one of the higher tax brackets, and you're not. And um, you know you're retired. Your your taxable income is actually much lower. That could be an argument to look at conversion simply for the fact of not penalizing your beneficiaries with a lot of taxable income. Okay. So you know I hear this a lot of times. You know, hey Kevin, I'm not really concerned. You know, the break even doesn't happen until my late 80s or you know uh, my early 80s. You know, I'll just I'll deal with it and I'll just leave these assets to my kids. They're they're doing fine. Well, what if what if this pushes them into a higher tax bracket? What if this um, actually penalizes them for receiving these counts as inheritance? So it's something to consider is, you know, what is the profile of your beneficiaries? And are they in a higher tax bracket than you are? And if so, that could be a planning conversation that even makes for Roth conversions more compelling. Because not only are you saving in taxes if you have longevity on your side, but also substantial tax savings when those assets transfer transfer to your beneficiaries. Okay, so the 10-year rule is super important. Longevity is important. Um, now, another thing to, to consider is on this, on those early years of, of paying Morton taxes, you know, so during this during this example where we converted over a 13-year year period of time, not only will you be paying Morton taxes, but you also might be paying more in Medicare premiums. You know, once you t- turn 65 and you're on Medicare, you know, everyone, you know, um, you know, has Part B, Part A, um, but everyone has the same Part B premium, the base premium. But once your income crosses thir- certain thresholds, you could be paying a lot more in Medicare premiums than you really anticipated. It's, it's known as IRMA or income-related monthly adjustment amount, okay? And, you know, in fact, you could be paying per person upwards of an additional 5600 bucks a year on Medicare Part B and Part D premiums. So just keep that in mind is when you do these conversions, this might tie into increasing taxes on your Social Security or increasing your Medicare premiums. 
But you got to look at the numbers long term because later in retirement, once you have no RMDs on Roth accounts, that's also an important note, is Roth IRAs and now even Roth 401ks, Roth 403bs, do not have required minimum distributions. So if you don't need the income, you don't have to take out that income. But income you do take out will be tax-free from those accounts, assuming they are qualified distributions. And you could actually then save money on your Medicare premiums and reduce the tax impact on your uh, impact on your Social Security, which we'll talk about uh, in a later episode. Okay, so just keep that in mind: is you know, not only will you have to come up with the funds to pay the additional taxes, but you might have you know other penalties that that might be involved. But you got to include all of this in your analysis. Okay, and this is why it's not a one size fits all. Um, you know, and it's also why customized planning comes into play because you know, you got to come up with the funds to pay the taxes. You know, is it going to come out of cash flow? Do you have other assets that you could liquidate to pay the taxes? Um, and, and if so, upon liquidation of those assets, how what is the tax imp- impact of liquidating other accounts to pay the taxes on something else? You know, you don't want to pay the taxes in the conversion because then you have fewer dollars invested in the retirement accounts. It loses its sizzle. So you want to try to come up with other assets, preferably cash, surplus cash, or surplus surplus cash flow to pay the taxes. So you have every dollar you convert is going to stay invested, and now it's going to have tax-free growth as opposed to tax-deferred growth. Um, you know, and so you got to consider your goals, your objectives, your priorities, your longevity, um, your beneficiaries, right? I mean, these are all things that come into play. When you're converting, um, you know, accounts from traditional accounts to Roth, but if it's done properly, it you could save, and your beneficiaries could could save several hundred thousands, and sometimes even more. If your account balances are larger, let's say you have four or five million dollars in in four hundred one k's or IRAs, you know, the the tax benefit is then amplified not only for you but also to the next generation, and so. Um, so, so you got to run the numbers. You've got to consider your own unique situation, your own objectives, your beneficiaries. All of these things come into play, um, and, and you've got to get creative. You know, on the strategy. Like I said, you know, it's not going to be a one size fits all. Where it's like, hey, this is going to be a nice clean conversion each year. You know, for the next thirteen years, things come up. You know, they may inherit assets for, from mom or dad, and that's going to increase their taxable income in a certain period. You've got to be flexible. So therefore, they may skip a year or two. Um, you know, all of these things you know come into play. So it's important to be nimble with these types of things and rerun the numbers each year. But if all else kind of stays the same and all else being equal, you know, for this particular client, I mean, they're looking at a substantial savings in taxes. And given the fact that they have longevity on their side, given the fact that it is important for them to pass on these assets to their um, to their uh, son and their grandchildren. You know, we're going to really look at this uh, each year and we're going to run the numbers and we're going to convert probably blocks of those IRAs each year starting in 2024. And uh, we'll even do it after they start taking RMDs. You know, if, if you've kind of noticed, you know, if he's going to retire at 65, she'll, she'll be 64. RMDs will kick in in about eight years, but we're converting for 13. So even while RMDs begin for them, we're still going to be converting because we can fill up that 22% bracket, which is the max. Uh, it's kind of their sweet spot, if you will, on on um, on bracket tax bracket maximization. So even while they're taking RMDs for a few years, we're still going to be converting. And at the end of it, they're going to have everything is going to be in tax-free dollars uh, or tax-free bucket, if you will. 
um, which is going to be super tax efficient for them to take income distributions, but also uh, extremely tax efficient when they pass these assets on to their son. Okay, because even though these Roth IRAs will be subject to the ten-year rule, the t- the distributions that are taken out in those first ten years will be tax-free to their son. Okay. So instead of being taxable, if you leave a traditional IRA or traditional 401k or 403b, these distributions during that 10-year period will be completely tax-free to that beneficiary. So it's a huge, um, huge tax benefit to this particular family. Um, but for every one of these, there's also one that the numbers don't make sense. The numbers don't line up. And um, But I hope you, hopefully you found this helpful to kind of get a feel for you know, what scenarios that Roth conversions can make sense. You know, potentially where they may not make sense. Um, And uh, again, hopefully you will tune into the next episode where we're going to be talking about tax loss harvesting and and, uh, an opportunity we took advantage for a client early this year that's going to make the first 10 years of her retirement income completely tax-free. You know, um, super, super compelling uh, case study that we'll look at next week. Uh, But for now, I appreciate all of you. Thanks for tuning in and uh, make sure to leave us a review and subscribe and follow our podcast. Make sure you don't miss a beat uh, on the next episode. Thanks, everybody.